Welcome to the Forest Educator Podcast. I'm Ricardo Sierra. Everyone, I'm really excited to bring this interview to you today because I have been so impressed with this organization that I saw on Instagram, I think about six months ago, and it's called India Hikes. And we are speaking today with Lakshmi Silvakuma. She is the head of the uh, learning and development team there. And I'm going to just say thank you so much for being here and sharing about your organization, which is phenomenal. So thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you, Ricardo, for inviting us for the podcast. I think we've been also following your work very closely and we've been very impressed also with the amount of work you have and the experience you bring to the table. And uh, I'm really looking forward to also learn from you over the conversation that we will have today. Tell me a little bit about what India Hikes is and what you do and anything that you feel like. You've been there for like for eight years, I believe. So that's a long time. And you're definitely doing a lot of things that are, uh, I don't know how to say, in, very innovative and new and refreshing. And uh, yeah, I'm just really impressed. So <laughs> sure, jump right in anytime. Yeah. Yes, India Hikes is the safest trekking organization in India. We start, I think we just recently completed 15 years of introducing accessible trekking in India, I would say. I think India Hikes started with the vision to make trekking more accessible for the Indian people. I think if you go back 15 years, it was mostly the foreigners who would trek in India. I think Indians themselves, especially Indians who are middle-income people, would not even think about going on a Himalayan trek. Also, the kind of treks that was very accessible, it was very difficult to find information to be able to go do a trek on your own. And, And Himalayas is the largest mountain system we have in India. Unfortunately, that mountain system was not accessible to the Indian people themselves. So that was, I think that bothered uh, Arjun, who was a founder. Um, So he wanted to make trekking more accessible. And he felt that the biggest way he could do that is to just bring in information and make it available for people to use it, to be able to do treks on their own. So he actually went and did a trek called Rupkund and he came and wrote a big blog, a very detailed blog and he posted it online and he immediately saw so many people going and doing, trying to do the treks on their own. Suddenly, instead of those four or five treks that most people knew and did, there was suddenly this new trek that was possible and it opened up opportunities for Indians to go and do a trek. And it also made it possible for the local economy to grow around trekking because he made sure that in the documentation, he provided information about the guides, he provided information about where to stay, whom to contact, how to arrange for the transport. He made sure that it was the documentation was detailed, that you just needed that entire document to go do treks on and come back and complete it successfully. So I think that changed everything uh, so much so that he started getting phone calls from people over there saying that you've really brought about a big change in our community. We are getting more and more people wanting to come do treks and it has opened up possibilities for us also economically to grow. 
so i think that got him thinking thinking and he really wanted to make sure that there are so many such hidden treks he wanted to bring that out and post it for indian trekkers to go do it on their own so i think india hikes um, the origin of india hikes starts from that thought and what we realized is Uh, yes even with information i think many people still find it challenging to go do treks on their own because at, at that point of time in india there were two kinds of trekking one is ultra luxurious where you pay so much amount of money and it's very exclusive to you and you do that uh, kind of a trek again it is mostly targeted at people who are not from india and there is the other kind of trekking where you have 45 to 50 people going on the trek at the same time they just go from camp 1 to camp 2 very basic amenities safety is not really it was not well defined it's not there's no standards for it or even the trekking on the other extreme was too coarse that again it did not it was not easy to scale so i think arjun had very strong thoughts about how he wanted trekking to also happen it's not just about doing the trek it's also he also felt that there is a certain spirit with which it needed to be done i needed to be a group of 20 25 people they need to be able to get to know each other they are a team who is being led by a trek leader and they are going on an expedition there needs to be a sense of adventure there needs to be a sense of camaraderie there needs to be a sense of also responsible trekking that needs to come in so i think a lot of those thoughts he wanted to implement and with that thought came india hikes so i think ever since then we have grown we evolved we found that there are so many other problems it's not just information that was a problem i think there's a problem of safety there's a problem of environmental way or sustainable way of trekking i think there were so many problems that we needed to address and i think as an organization we've been uh, focusing on addressing these problems all with the aim of making sure that trekking gets more accessible for the indian population so i think over time we've developed our vision or we have verbalized our vision into everyone must trek because it transforms lives primarily because we i think that was the intention from the beginning even though we've not been able to put it into words Uh, and i think it has led us to where we are today wow that's great what i'm imagining is so he must have had some experience on some of these treks did, did he work for other companies do you know when he started this to get the feeling of what it was he didn't want right so right. he must have had some of that that must have been really interesting to see that and go hey i'm here there's all these foreigners our own people aren't getting this experience of these mountains and these beautiful places that are just tr- amazing and transformative and and we're not getting this how yes. could we do that like i, I could imagine oh. working in a company and going yeah we got to make a difference let's you know what someday and then he just did it that's great yeah that's an interesting story actually i think arjun has a very interesting childhood in that he didn't work for a trekking organization but his father worked in an indian bank called state bank of india and his role was to <clears throat> go around inspecting different banks and how they are performing so his father because he had a sense of adventure would choose banks that are in the remote parts of india so when arjun was very small he he had the opportunity to travel extensively with his father to these remote locations most of them in the himalayas and yeah. had the opportunity while his father was working to just go around and explore so i think that sense of adventure started there 
and i think he also shares a lot of love and inspiration that he has derived from also tintin i think uh, tintin and his adventures in tibet has been one of the biggest um, inspirations for arjun um, and and i think when he grew up uh, he started his own uh, along with his father he started an english uh, spoken english uh, language institute and while he was working there uh, he would take his friends and they would organize treks on their own so he would go around finding trying to find information about different treks see check out maps check out check out different documentations try to find that okay what are the trails possible and find more information try to <clears throat> arrange uh, for the entire trek to happen and do that for his friends and he would do it in a way where the entire group of friends would take responsibility for running the entire trek like there would be somebody who was taking charge of equipment there would be somebody who was taking charge of kitchen so on and so forth so it was the team doing the trek by themselves for themselves the thing so uh, i i think that was mainly the inspiration uh, and i think what he also felt very strongly when he was trying to mount these treks was the challenge and the difficulty of finding which led right. him to uh, start the documentation process in itself and i think also the having done the treks in a way that he has done he wanted to emulate that also in the way how trekking how he visualized trekking should be uh, so i think a lot of the thoughts came from those experiences in his childhood that's great that's really wonderful because it just shows how we one person having a, a an experience of thinking oh this is really difficult to research and look at old maps and find this way to make this trek and then to think yeah there's no wonder people aren't doing this it's just too hard to get it together and then yeah. having that vision of putting that together and i love the tin you you said the those yes. stories like i yeah. i read those as a child and i i loved like all the different places in the world that he would go to and going to uh the himalaya like i just thought it was amazing i yeah that's fun to to think of that so many things that we get inspired from when we're very young really have an impact throughout our lives that we often don't realize. So that's amazing. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about what you, how many people work for, how many guides do you have? And you're in the Himalayas. So what is that like to bring people from India out to those mountains? And, and what, what are their experiences like? Yes, we have something called as trek leaders. So these are the leaders who take our trekkers out on the treks. Of course, the trek leaders are accompanied by guides, but they are the main leaders of the entire program that we run. So we have about sixty trek leaders currently working with us, and yeah, I, I think it's been a great experience. I think before I joined, I was a trekker with India hikes. I I just finished reading this book. I think I forgot the book name of the book, but it was about the a fictionalized version of the climb to the Mount Everest. And I, I, I think that book was a really great inspiration. I think Paths of Glory. So I read the book and I was like, oh, I think I should also want to go and experience an adventure like that. And so I was looking out online and I came across India Hikes and I registered and I went on my first trek with India Hikes. and that was a wonderful experience i really did not expect the trek to be that beautiful that remote 
and and to be able to get the adventure of being able to camp and uh, stay close to nature as much as i did so i i felt that yes this is something that everyone must do and yeah and luckily all the trekkers who came with me were also indians and they were equally thrilled by it because even for them it was the first time that they were experiencing what it means to trek in the himal i think every year we take almost 22 to uh, 25000 trekkers and i think it's been an incredible experience to see them coming back and sharing their wonderful stories of being able to uh, experience the mountains the forests and the nature in its most pristine form yeah wow yeah tw- 25 22 to 25000 people that's a lot of people and that is a lot of impact i think to me and i i love that because you're giving them this incredible experience and i i would imagine that for people coming i've never been to india but i do know that most of my impression of places in india like cities that they are very uh, i don't want to say crowded's not the right word but that there's just a lot of people in a small area and to be on a trip like right? yeah I, i look at that and think what would that be like to suddenly be on the side of a mountain with 30 people or 20 people and walking through this like rocky meadow and going up to a a temple or something up high in the mountains and just seeing that feeling or having that feeling and seeing the, the views that must be really uh transformative uh what it, it, can you tell me anything about what that's like to see people experience that for the first time is it is there a common thing that they do or say or because yeah that's <laughs> 25,000 people is a lot of people having that true i i think many of them come back and say that it's been a very calming experience for a lot of them it also has been a very meditative experience and a lot of them share that it really makes them reflect very deeply very naturally i think just being on the trek without even us having to do any facilitation i think the our facilitation only enhances what the trek naturally does and i think being there and being able to spend that quality time with themselves and with select few people who have accompanying them on the trek being able to ha- walk from one place to another in silence and experiencing that kind of silence i think people come back and share that it is very meditative a lot of time it is it's also puts them on a very reflective zone and a lot of them come back and share that it has really made them rethink their priorities or it has helped them uh, really find answers to solution uh, questions that has been bothering them or it has even made them realize that okay there are certain questions that are in my mind that i have not been able to vocalize or like even identify that as it's been there so i i think in a lot of ways it really helps you get in touch with yourself more deeply and in that way opens up people's mind to look at life very differently so i think we even share this in a lot of way and trek before the start of the trek we even tell our trekkers that you know what like why we believe in everyone must trek is because we have strongly seen that there is somebody uh, before and there is an after a very distinct after once you finish a trek uh, and that and somehow the trek creates that conducive environment for that kind of a transformation to happen and it's very right. often 
very difficult to find that kind of a same or similar environment back in your city life. So yeah, I, I think trekkers do reflect on that very strongly. Right. I've seen some interviews that you have on your website where people share about the experience or on your Instagram, which is amazing, by the way. And it's it, it really I could really feel the impact that those people had when they were sharing and just talking about it. You could really see on their faces and the way they would describe it as something that was really meaningful to me, it made me inspired and to go out to see that too. So I could really imagine that being the case. And is it mostly adults, like uh, older adults that go on this? Or uh, do you do any work with schools or families? Or do you look at specific groups? Do you have all women going on a track? Or tell me a little bit about some of the different ways you can do this. Yeah. So we started out with offering our text to anyone who wants to come and register. So that's how we started. But I think over time, we also really wanted to bring about a culture of trekking and the educational component of trekking. Like we see trekking as a very big way to also learn experientially or a very powerful tool for experiential learning. So we wanted to also bring that out to our trekkers. And especially we wanted to introduce that in the younger age because we felt that trekking kind of brings about those qualities that is very hard to bring about in a normal education setup. Right, right. Like it, and it focuses on very real human values and life skills that are essential for a holistic development of a child. Like, for example, for their ability to be to take responsibility for themselves, to lead mm-hmm. self-leadership, to also practice peer-to-peer leadership, to be able to also, beyond that, yes, there are certain people who will exhibit uh, leadership in a larger scale. But I think even being able to practice self-leadership and peer-to-peer leadership goes a long way in developing the abilities of a child to uh, grow more responsible and grow more independent. What we also felt is our treks are a very natural way of introducing the child to the world of nature, to be able to help them connect with nature, help them take responsibility for nature, make sure that they develop that respect and love Mm -hmm and affection and wanting to do something for nature so i think that is something also we wanted to bring in and i think all of this comes very naturally as a consequence when they go on a trek not just this they also build confidence they build resilience it helps the child to come out of their comfort zone be able to take on more challenges and grow these skills and attitudes that are very important for them to succeed in life. We very strongly felt that children must be exposed to trekking very early in their young age. So we also started developing these experiential learning programs for them. We offer it to schools. We also offer it directly for children to come and register directly. Both options are there. We also wanted families to come and check. I think one of the challenges we are also facing in the society is that when you are inside your homes, you're when you're caught with the daily uh, humdrum of life, you hardly get to spend time with your spouse or with your children anymore. What we felt was a fam, a trek could be a very nice place for the families to come together, uh, develop a deeper bond, and even actually be able to see different facets of each other, uh, which you don't necessarily get to see on a daily life so we also introduced a family treks for families to come 
it also gets a nice opportunity for families to interact with other families to also create a community for them to rely upon and grow. so that was another group of set of tracks that we run we also uh, felt the need for seniors older people to come and right. uh, again because we felt that sometimes when people retire they uh, disconnected with the world it can be they suddenly lose a sense of purpose so we felt that them being able to come and do a trek can again open up them open them up to possibilities to see life different maybe help them also connect with uh, other seniors and build a sense of community and also make them feel that they're not alone and make them feel that they are valued and their life experiences are valued and also for them to feel you can be a child again no so i, I and we've even seen that happening like we had our seniors group go for one of our himalayan treks and they had snowfall happening while they're on the trek and they suddenly became children standing outside and dancing in the snow and laughing and singing songs it was so nice to see that happening and them finding that joy for life again so we wanted to also start the seniors trek for that we also do for younger adults what i mean by that is college students who are about to start their career again a trek also gives an opportunity to learn leadership also collaborative leadership where you have you get the opportunity to learn what it means to work in a team what it means to share responsibilities what it means to have meaningful conflicts what it means to be able to do all of that and realize your goal so we wanted to also start programs for younger working i mean students who are going to enter their working life so right. we also have that program and we also have programs for institutions or corporates or organizations who want to bring their teams to make them make sure they get to know each other and to build a deeper bond working which will help them take their work forward yes we do have all of these different programs that we offer yeah that's great when you know when you're talking about this it's very obvious that you and your team you have thought of every aspect of these trips like the way you're speaking about it it's very conscious and it's something that because i can just tell it's it rolls right out you just share all these things to me that's that's not always usual in a lot of education nature education sometimes people just go oh i like making baskets so i'm going to teach basket making and you teach basket making and sometimes they don't really think about what is the impact of making a basket for the people that you're doing the pro- program for and or whatever it is sometimes we work with children and we just go oh yeah we're out in the woods we're learning about nature and then but you really have a tr- a tremendous both for you personally but i it can tell it's in your organization as well like this real understanding of that impact and the value which was just impressive because i know you have a whole lot that you could talk about with sustainability too like i that's really in your website that just the idea of how do we do this responsibly i i'm just really impressed by your company i can I, i know i've said this three times or four times already but it's you're doing an phenomenal job doing this and it makes me so happy to hear that it's not for wealthy foreigners from Europe or America or someplace 
just going up there and having somebody wait on them and carry all their gear to the next plate. That's the image I have for a lot of the idea when I thought of, oh, people going trekking. And when I saw your website, I went, hey, these people aren't, these aren't Americans. These are people coming out and really seeing their own country in that way. So yeah, I don't, I don't know how you have done it, but your group, like you can just tell the leadership has filtered through all the way down to, I would imagine everybody that's working there understanding what you're doing. It's, that's a lot. Thank you so much. Thank <laughs> you. No, it's, it's really amazing. And so tell me a little bit about your, the learning and development team. Yes, we recruit our tech leaders who will lead our programs. We also design the programs, how we want to execute it so that we are able to achieve the outcomes that we want. And we also train our tech leaders and mentor them and continue to coach them so that they are able to execute the design and be able to achieve the outcomes that we want. So that's what we do on a regular basis. It's not just the trek leaders. We also have other team members who make up the team who take the trekkers. So we also focus on training the others as well who accompany them on the trek to be able to give the overall experience that we want our trekkers to go through and focus on the learning and the transformation that we want our trekkers to take back. Right. Yeah, it's a lot like... What do they say? When you go to a, a hotel, especially in like here in America, you can go to a hotel and there's like somebody at the desk and they're, they can either be really helpful or they can be not helpful. They can just go, give me your money. Here's your room key. Good luck. And then there's the other side, which is we've really thought of everything. Like we're going to help you with your bags. We have a cart you can use to bring your things to the room so it's easier. And we've set up our place to be a really a nice home away from home and they have artwork on the, like they, they do a lot to try to make you feel comfortable so that you have a really good experience and I, I think in a way it reminds me a little bit about like how what a, a really good hotel or something they've thought of everything like they just have what do they say concierge they've really figured it all out and and so that's your job is to figure out how, what do we need to do is the the driver are they trained in the same way is the person maybe helping with food are they going to also reflect the same values of what yes. your place is that's a lot of work a lot of details we try to yeah we try to provide the skills but more importantly we try to focus on our team members being able to understand our vision understand our values try to align with that and we equip them with the skills and trust them that they will do well when they yeah. when we know deep inside that they are that they want the same thing as what the organization wants and i i think that's been the main direction that we take when we design our training programs yeah that's one thing but mainly what we also want to focus while we want to focus on these little details what we also don't want to miss out is the big picture that yeah. we want our trackers to understand who we are why we are doing like if, like one of the things many many trackers might feel is that we trek very differently from any other organization like many other organizations are willing to cater to the demands and the needs of trekkers many times we say no i, I mean i'm not going to agree to this or we are not going to do this way because it goes against what we believe very strongly in terms of maybe sustainability in terms of how our own personal values 
So it's also about us being able to communicate this to our trekkers to make them understand like that there is a certain way in how we see trekking must be done and we want you to we invite you to be part of the journey and we hope you understand where we come from so i think that also sets the base for why people also feel the transformation when they come on the trek so yeah so the yeah. we focus on the later part more than kind of the hospitality side of yes. it Yeah that's what I, I wasn't thinking that you were catering but necessarily but you've just thought of those things so that's Yes yes like I've worked in wilderness education for a long time and many times I will be with other instructors and I will say oh they they will say oh we're going to go do this thing and I would say well if you think about these children they they're away from home they're eating strange food they're in a different place they don't know anyone else maybe we shouldn't do that because they're already in an uncomfortable yeah 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 so and i could see sometimes that some of those instructors would just go oh i never thought of that and because they they were thinking of what, what they want to do and not necessarily about the experience And so that's what I see is that you're thinking about what is their experience what should it be or what is it that you believe would create the best experience as well and and then finding the right people that's what I mean by it it's it's a different it's a shift in the way of thinking so it's really about being able to see that in a way that is because it's easy to just give in and say oh okay you want this oh you want that and it and then it never ends and then all of a sudden you're now responsible to do that for everything yeah yeah it's tough but that's what's that's what's amazing about your work I don't i'm not sure i think because your culture you just do this naturally as part of your culture you've been immersed in it for 8 years but that is not the experience that most schools or other businesses especially outdoor industry that they necessarily think of it to this detail for 25,000 people a year that's what i mean it's it's remarkable yeah so another question i have is here in america in the united states i know i don't know about uh europe but one thing that oftentimes i hear forest education nature education groups say is that it's very difficult to find the right kinds of people to make this happen and I'm curious about what are the what is, is it is it a long process or a difficult process to find people um who will will make good leaders and staff is that a is that something that you're involved with a little bit or do, can you speak to that at all Sure yeah like my team tries to recruit the trek leaders we work with Yeah it is a challenge to find the right kind of people like for example we get about 200 to 300 applications out of which we might take about 10 but i do feel that the 10 people who we choose really do come with the right intention many times their skills don't match like for a lot of them they've just finished their studies and they they have a 
they have an affiliation towards outdoors because they've gone on several treks and they want to be in the outdoors and they feel that's their line of career they want to explore, but they don't come with real skills. And I think that's where we have developed our training program in such a way that as long as you come with the right intention and you come with the right come with the right heart, we will uh, do what it takes to make you uh, great trek leader. So we invest yeah. a lot of time and energy in training our trek leaders. And we focus on, again, giving them a very holistic um, training and exposure to the world of outdoors. Uh, and, and we also make it very rigorous. Uh, and we share a lot of why. Like, why are we doing this? Why are we doing it this way? Why should it? Why cannot be in any other way? And I think what we've seen is when we have when we choose people who have the right intention, who are very much willing to learn and they are hungry, they pick it up quite fast. Um, yeah. And I think within a couple of months, they do really well. Uh, and the best thing is they also experientially learn. Like the moment they are thrown out and into the field and they are constantly taking groups. That's the best thing about also having that volume of trekkers is that you are constantly on the field. You're constantly exposed yeah. to a variety of people. So I think with each group, they have such a steep learning curve that within a couple of months, they get really best, better at the, at the skill of being able to lead very uh, different kinds of groups and different kinds of people. So, yeah, I think um, I think finding skilled people at the go has been very challenging. But I think finding people who has their heart in the outdoors, who are coming because they understand the impact, because they have themselves gone through it and they want right. others to go through it. Uh, and they understand that the need for also uh, making people fall in love with nature and wanting them to take back sustainability. I think these are the attributes they come with. These are the people who we choose. And I think all of them really over time do very well. Yeah. 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 That's great. That's great. Yeah. It, it does help. I, I had a uh, program once I had a lot of new staff and uh, there's an event that happened where there was like 10 schools were coming to this park and it was, was like 400 children, usually pretty young. And they said, Oh, we want you to run programs teaching them how to build a, a little shelter out of sticks and leaves. And so we brought bags and bags of leaves and we brought a big truck and we full of sticks and we set everything up for it, our station. And we had 20 minutes for each group. And we did that all day. We did that till five o'clock at night. And so it was just group after group. We had to build the shelter with them and then tear it down and then build it again and share it, tear it down. And it was so fun. It was fun to watch the instructors because they were trying to teach a lot about it. And they were like, we don't have time. We, what is the most important thing? And after you do 15 of those experiences, uh, we did it for two days too. So it was just an amazing experience because they suddenly realized like, how could we have the most impact in 20 minutes for those children? And every one of the kids that was in there seemed to say, that was their favorite thing. They were there for the whole day and they went to other people. And by far, the, we were the most popular um, group. That's what they told me later when they surveyed the children. But it's so true that when you have like a bunch of people in another group and you're doing it, you really learn 
or super effectively, you have to either put it together or you don't. And if you don't, then that's okay too. But but it's amazing how what that's the the pressure pressure to figure it yes. out. Yeah, yeah. I, I and I think yeah. I, I think the combination of the training plus the uh, real world exposure really makes them shine within a couple yeah. of months. But it's really great to see that transformation also. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. So the I know the other question I had for you was in, is something that I it's like in my imagination I'm thinking about your track. I think. Is this when you go trekking? Are you are you going on like roads or trails? And are there things that you have to be worried about? What are some things that you have to think about? Because you're the safest trekking company out there. That's one of your things, and I love that. But tell me, like, a little bit about some of the places and how strenuous they are, and so forth. Yeah, so we have treks across the Himalayas. So we have treks in Jammu and Kashmir. We have treks in Himachal Pradesh, Uttarakhand, West Bengal, and Sikkim. All of these trails, except for one, they're all on trails, meaning you get to the starting point through road. But once you reach there, you are on the walk. There's no roads to access to any of these other locations as you start the treks. That's how most of the trails are. And they go through different terrains. Uh, we also climb a lot of altitude. So I think the starting altitude for us is somewhere around 6,000 to 7,000 feet. And we go up till 12,000, sometimes 14,000, sometimes even 16,000 feet. So that's the kind of altitude climb that we gain across the trek. So the main challenge actually tends to be altitude much more than wildlife. I I think, yes, wildlife has been there. We have spotted, uh, but we've rarely seen a bear on a trek. Uh, um, And there has been one or two instances of people spotting a leopard on a trek. So wild animals as such has not been our biggest concern. I think our biggest concern and most of our evacuations happen because of altitude-related problems. Altitude illness, hape, haze are the main things that we worry about. So a lot of our training, a lot of processes uh, we have brought in regarding that. The next, I would say, would be terrain-related issues. For example, we run a lot of our treks. We run our treks throughout the year. So we also do treks in winter when there is a lot of snow. We run treks in monsoon when there is good amount of rain. The challenge is also to make sure that we are able to uh, provide safety in any weather. So, for right. example, snow comes the problem of slipping and falling, people not having good grip. So we do provide them with micro spikes, which was introduced. We realized that without something to grip people, we cannot do treks in winter. And the only solution was crampons. So a lot of research was done and we figured that micro spikes, which is something that people use uh, in Western countries to just go out uh, normally uh, to do their day-to-day activity is something that we can bring. So I think that was one of the big things that shifted or brought about access to even winter treks, things like that. So we've been constantly looking out, identifying these major blocks that is 
stopping or hindering treks finding solutions to do that and yes as i mentioned altitudinalness has been one of the challenges so we brought in again a lot of processes regarding tackling that so we carry oxygen cylinders on our treks we carry stretchers on our treks we our trek leaders always carry medicines that they can give for anyone who is affected with altitudinalness a lot of drills and training goes into making them uh, yeah. ready to identify this and not escalate it and even if it escalates we provide them training so that they can be evacuated as soon as possible because here helicopter rescue is not possible the only possibility is for you to bring them down either in a stretcher or you make them walk down or you get them down on a mule there is no other way to bring them down so i think yeah. all of this compounds the challenges but i think we been able to find ways to also mitigate it reduce the risk and be able to also build capacity to address the risk when it happens yeah that's yeah to me as someone who's never led a trek like that it feels oh wow i would really have to learn all these things but at the same time i think if i took all your leaders and said okay we're going into the wilderness and we're going to learn wilderness survival we'd both we we're both experts in our own way but I always imagine what is it like to go into a jungle and what would I have to do to keep people safe and what do I do if I'm in the mountains or and so on. Yeah, that's Yeah, I think there's a bit of an intersection where yeah. I think your skills and our skills but but I think a lot of it might also vary. Yeah. Yeah, it's different when you're in a different terrain and a lot of times too like the type of land that you're on uh changes things because it just creates a different feeling, right? So that when i look at the pictures of your your groups on instagram i just like i almost just can't imagine i've been in the mountains here in in the united states lots and lots of times but there's just a completely different feel to it it almost looks like it's not real right it's just so incredible uh i i don't know i remember when i first saw the grand teton mountains in wyoming and how these rocky mountains and they were, and i it was so unnerving for me to see the, how impressive they were. I almost couldn't even look at it. I was like, I need a break because I can't. It's just staring at me how amazing this is. And I could imagine I would do that if I was on one of your treks to go into these beautiful yeah. valleys with the mountains and just, <laughs> I'd have a hard time like going, is this real? Am I even <laughs> in a real space? Is this heaven? <clears throat> I don't know. It does. It does. Sometimes it does feel overwhelming. I think the first time that's why when I went to the Himalayas for the very first time, I, I think I it really helped me make sense of what I've been hearing and what I'm seeing for the first time. So yeah, it was a very unique experience in that sense, and, yeah. and I really wish that you get to come and trek with us. I, I you should. Well, I, I think you should plan right. a trip to India. We oh. would be very happy to host you here. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Maybe there'll be a forest educator adventure that we'll plan or something that would be really fun. It's been really wonderful talking with you. I, you know, so what is the best way for people to find you? Is it, I think, I know I'll have a link in my show notes about your program and your Instagram, but, but is there, what's a good way for someone if they're listening right now to find you? The website would be a great place. So www.indiahikes.com. That's our website. I think um, all the information, I, I think we believe in making, I, I, as I mentioned, I think we started out by putting out information for free. So I think uh, 
any information, even if you don't trek with us, I really encourage you to just come explore the different kinds of treks that we have in India. Uh, and I encourage, if, if at all you're planning a trip, and even if you have one or two days, to just use the information and do a trek. Well, I would want to come with you, with your groups, because to me, there's something really wonderful about being with people who also love doing it. Like, I like going to the mountains or the desert and just going by myself and doing what I want to do. But there's something really wonderful about having somebody show you places and maybe go to some of the like temples or the the types of uh, villages up there and and help me understand what is this temple and, and is it for... I, I could just imagine that I would have a lot of questions that would be really wonderful to learn about. To me, I would want to come. I would want to come and learn yes. from all of you yes. too. But I love the fact that you put it out there. I, that To me, it's just phenomenal. I'm really, thank you so much for being here and, and sharing all this. Thank you. Thank you. I really enjoyed having this conversation. Thanks for listening to today's episode and for all the things that you do to help build a world that is connected to nature. You can get access to the bonus episodes, my forest educator, nature journals, and curriculum, as well as other useful content by subscribing to my Patreon page, where you can support us at any level. You can find the link in the show notes for that and my website and social media as well. And I will see you outside.